0: This is an AMI podcast. Hello, and
1: no, please don't adjust your sets because this is Double Tap for Tuesday, May 23rd. And today, we're talking audio. That's right. Accessible editing doesn't have to be grim. Don't fear the reaper.
0: You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Preece.
1: Ha! Wrong voiceover guy, because as you may have noticed, Stephen is not here today. I don't know why he's off travelling the world or eating lots of fried chicken. I don't know, but don't worry, he will be back tomorrow. But for now, it's just me. Oof. Anyway, welcome to Double Tap. Hope you're doing well. And today we are, as I said in that terrible pun-filled intro... Talking about audio editing and specifically about the really accessible audio editing, audio production software called Reaper, which is available for Windows and Mac. Now, you may be asking yourself, why are you talking about Reaper again? Because it wasn't that long ago, a few months, I think, that we had AMI's audio technical producer, Extraordinaire Jacob Schemansky on to tell us all about how he uses Reaper for his everyday work at AMI. And it was really interesting. But we've also had quite a few emails asking about Reaper, you know, lots of listeners wanting to get into podcasting or music production. And uh, Reaper is one of those programs that everyone is talking about. So sadly, neither Stephen nor I use Reaper. So to be quite honest with you, we're not much help when it comes to the topic of Reaper. But luckily enough, I've got two people joining me today, Scott Chesworth and Jenny Brannan, who are not only very experienced Reaper users, but also heavily involved in the development of Osara, which is some software which makes Reaper very accessible to our screen reader users. Okay, so Scott and Jenny. Now, Scott, you got in touch with me specifically because sort of reading in between the lines here you weren't quite happy with some of our i think the term you used was wishy-washy responses when it came to reaper so uh what's the problem what's the beef with us scott did i say wishy-washy that's a bit
2: harsh isn't it It it's a little bit
1: brutal but you know it's fine Um, i admit it
2: (laughs) no it was just uh so i i've only started listening to the show fairly recently jen listens to it Uh, has been listening to it for longer um thanks it was more that (laughs) like it seemed that you two had a fair few questions about reaper we have been talking about reaper
1: i mean off air as well privately me and stephen because at the moment we're using audacity and it's fine absolutely fine but we do recognize the move towards reaper and the power of reaper particularly mm. the non-destructive aspect and we'll get into that later on yeah, for anyone that doesn't know what that means but reaper has really come along hasn't it and, and i'm hearing so many more people using it in uh employment as well it's really
2: made a mark yeah we got folks at the bbc now and um a bunch of other cool places uh it's really picking up in terms of of like audiobook production sound design and and all those kind of things it's expanding out um outward from music production which is kind of where it found its feet in the first place i would say
1: yeah it's really taking its place in the professional or you know employment sector let's say you know um for loads of people out there listening to this. I'm sure, you know, they've dabbled in recording before. And they may have used programs like, well, actually, me and Steven still do, Audacity, or Goldwave, or Soundforge, you know, things like that. So what is the difference between those sort of programs and something like Reaper?
2: Okay. So there's two really key differences, and one of them is in terms of process, and the other one um is very specific to how accessibility is being advocated for. Um so let's let's do those one at a time. Let's do the process difference first of all. Um so things like Gold Wave, things like Soundforge are destructive editors. So you know you, you go in with a piece of audio, slice it, dice it, rearrange it, do whatever you want to it. Maybe you apply some effects to a certain piece of it or whatever. And each time you hit save, uh, that is the changes that you've made are baked into that piece of audio. You essentially can't unbake the cake. That's right. Whereas with Reaper, everything is non-destructive. So really with Reaper, your project files are just a list of instructions. The actual raw audio footage stays untouched and the project file is just a list of instructions that says, okay, Sean wants me to use this bit and this bit, then move this over here. And he doesn't ever want to hear that bit again. So I won't play it. Oh, and then he wants a little delay here and he wants a reverb on this bit and he wants this bit to sound like it's through a radio, et cetera. And all that stuff is just done in real time, which means uh, going back to the non-destructive horribly nerdy word it means that (laughs) none of this is actually being baked into your original audio footage which basically means you've got sort of unlimited flexibility to come back to a project a week later with fresh ears and tweak stuff or revisit a project six months later when you know a bunch more tricks and tweak stuff um yeah and it's cool it's, and it's cool.
1: Simple as that. It's cool. Yeah, it's
2: really useful. <laughs> what more reason do you need? Yeah,
1: I, I, for anyone who who well who asks me now, I often say, you know, if you're going to start off with this, then I would start with Reaper because yeah. I think, you know, as I said, I think it is moving to be the leader in the market. Of course, it was always Audition in, in a lot of places, and it still is. But um, Reaper, uh, purely from our point of view as well, totally accessible, right? <laughs>
2: Oh, I wouldn't go so far as to say Hang totally on. accessible because <laughs> purely because accessibility means so many different things to so many different people with so many different needs. Um, it's, I, I would say very accessible and, uh, and also increasingly accessible over time, which kind of brings me on to the, to the second difference. And this I think is really where Reaper is pulling ahead um which is how the accessibility advocacy is handled and basically what it comes down to is that we've got an amazing relationship nowadays with Cocos the company that make Reaper um and also it comes down to the Asara team being uh, Asara being the uh, the accessibility extension also us being detached and, and able to operate independently of Cocos um, is a strength as well. And I think really what it comes down to is like the speed and directness of how accessibility stuff happens. That's really where we've got an advantage over most of the other DAWs. Hmm. So for example, uh, if you were to use a DAW that was made by Apple, for example. If you find an accessibility issue, okay, cool, there's a contact point. You can write to accessibility at apple.com. But essentially you fire that bug report, feature request, whatever it is, off into the ether. Uh, You get a canned response back saying, thanks very much, we'll pass it along to the, the relevant people. And then that's it. Like, there's no process for finding out what happens, following up on it, checking in to see what's happening. You just have to kind of wait for, for months at a time and see if it appears. Whereas if we take, uh, I don't know the last two feature requests that have come my way via one of the, the Reaper email lists in both of those cases, we've had like same day responses from the actual Reaper developers. And they're totally open about me feeding that back to the email list, to the people that have asked in both of those cases, uh, I'm expecting like this happens. So the feature request happened on Monday. I'm expecting a test build either today or tomorrow, where the features that that have been asked for will be in testing. Yeah, um, and that's an amazing you, turnaround, right? <laughs> never seen anything man. like and that. It, and it doesn't always happen like that, but the vast majority of the time, that's how it happens. And then if you take an Asara. Um, feature requests sometimes that's even quicker yeah like uh end of last week we had a guy um who found uh like a, an issue with speech feedback just under very specific circumstances and it isn't something that's going to affect everyone but i could reproduce it here and so between me and jen me taking care of the windows side and jen taking care of the mac side we had that licked inside, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of work. And (laughs) again, like the guy, you know, a couple of hours after he reported it, I could send him a message and say, hey, update your Asara, should be fine.
1: That's incredible. And that's the power
2: of us being independent from the main Reaper devs. I mean, both of us have got, you know, a, a pretty fast turnaround, but it means that we can... Operate independently. When there's a thing that only affects screen readers, we can take care of that, and we're not waiting for a you know a, a release of Reaper for that to reach people. And when there's things that that COCOS can implement on their side, um, they're not waiting for us to catch up.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting point, and I think this is something we touched on when we spoke to Jacob about Reaper last time. And the thing is, look, you've pointed out the benefits of this. Model when it comes to accessibility that Reaper uses. Uh, an amazing turnaround for bug fixes and development and things like that. But if I'm going to criticise developers like Adobe for their record on accessibility when it comes to Audition, for example, which I have many, many times, um, doesn't it give the developers of Reaper a, a easy out? Does it let them off the hook for being responsible for accessibility for their own software. Basically it's like they're outsourcing it, isn't it? I mean Jen, I'm interested in your take on this.
3: I don't see it that way because the problem I see is I mean their team is pretty small, the Reaper people yeah. and to expect them to manage also an accessibility team that's just going to make things it's going to scatter their attention. It's not a
2: cut-and-dry thing of we do accessibility, they don't touch it. Right. Right. Um, It does go
3: together, so...
2: Yeah, with this, it's more a case of like, okay, is this best handled by Asara? Because does it only affect screen reader users? Is it a change that really only screen reader users need? And we need it done a very, very specific way to be productive. That sort of stuff Asara takes. If it's something that can, can be relatively easily natively accessible, we fire that stuff back to Cocos and they do it. So I don't think it shifts responsibility, man. I I think in this case, it's, you know, two fairly small agile teams, each playing to their strength in pretty much constant communication to figure out who's best place to handle, you know, each thing.
1: Anything that arises, yeah. And I suppose that's
2: the key point. And the thing is, this, isn't, this setup isn't unique to Asara at all. There are a bunch of, of um, extensions that go hand-in-hand hand with Reaper, stuff like SWS, stuff like Repack, and the setup is exactly the same. Those are completely independent of Reaper. They'll probably never be merged, and and the developers like it that way because it means everyone has got a decent amount of autonomy and and it's it really is all just about, like, those smaller teams, you know, communicating between each other to make sure that everybody's on the same page and everybody's working towards a common goal. Yeah. Uh, which we really... I mean, I've been using Reaper since 2008, and I haven't seen that many problems with the way things are, so... I don't know. It's, people, people talk about integration like it's a strength, and I look at it and kind of go, mm, "Yeah, I don't I, know. I know. I think what you it mean. slow stuff down."
1: Yeah, mm. well, like you said, when it comes to bugs, especially, you know, we we've all seen when Talkback was separated from Android, and so that could be developed separately, and you didn't have to wait. I mean, it's always a plus, but I suppose it depends on that relationship and interaction you've got with that developer. If you've got a good interaction, then yeah, it makes
2: total sense. I can see that. Well, I mean, just something else to say about the interaction is that so far, everything I've said on here today kind of implies it all flows through me. And that's not actually the case. Like a lot of it does, sure, just because I'm, (laughs) well, just because I'm around and also because I like doing it, but it doesn't have to which i think is another point in in um another point for where we're doing stuff a little bit differently like if you want to come aboard and get involved in the advocacy stuff it's pretty much an open shop like cocos are super easy to reach uh particularly if you're if you're someone that just isn't comfortable having somebody advocate on your behalf no matter mm-hmm. who they are or how they do it yeah. there's no rules at all to say it has to go through me, and I'm not protective over it at all. I do it because I do it because I enjoy it, and I do it because you know there's something in my inbox that needs doing. So, okay, cool. I may as well do it now. Then, and you but use it. I'm not yeah. protective over it at all. There are there are in, in, an increasing amount of times in recent years where I see something in the change log, and I'm like, oh, who did that? That was a good idea, and it wasn't me. <laughs> It's a good job
1: Stephen's not here because he would say, that was my idea. (laughs) Okay, so look, I've a couple of times now I've installed Reaper and I thought, right, this is it. This is it. I'm going to get to it. But I've always been a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of keyboard shortcuts. You know, I've looked through the settings or the preferences and there's always that struggle between getting a, a, a job done, a piece of work done, and, you know learning new software and that's not just a reaper thing that's any change you know from some software you know to something new there's always that oh i don't know i don't know if i can invest that time in it and it's just going to slow me down for that initial period so it's all about the resources right where can i learn how to do this as quickly as possible in in a way that suits me so so what are you two doing to fix that what what resources are you providing
3: everything <laughs> well the thing about, <laughs> I given, I think, given the week made that? easy spiel I wonder, <laughs> yeah I mean as it is now we have a bi-weekly live stream uh, in the beginning uh, what is it mid-month we have a uh, stream live stream where someone comes in with a s- specialty something specific that we want to teach and uh, that's a stream that gets recorded with questions and stuff and demos. And um, yeah, that's pretty cool. What's the last one we had was...
2: Uh, so if we take couple a couple of Beatmaker. examples. Yeah, mid-April Ye- was a stream on making beats. Right. In like all the modern sort of subgenres, trap and drill and, and all that kind of stuff. Whereas this month, Jen's leading a stream that's completely
3: different. Tell them about that. So we got talking one day, you and I and a sound designer, Justin, and somehow, somehow, weird, it was really weird, it got decided that we were going to make a stream about that and use some of my podcast material to create a, what would you call it, The fictional soundscape, a world around my f- fictional little story. And I agreed on that, and uh, I've been... Mm -hmm. Anxious ever since, of course. So (laughs) he's going to create the sound design around the voices that I provide. Amazing. And we're gonna show that on the stream and how he does it and how it might happen in a client uh, sound designer relationship. Like a, what do you call it? A commission. How, how it can happen and...
1: uh, How to make it happen.
3: Yeah, how to make it happen, what could, uh, how you could do it, uh, negotiating with the clients and the designer and the sounds, what do you want to happen with your audio, yada, yada. Oh, wow. So it's just
1: not the technical side then? You're actually going
3: into... a little bit of the technical. He will show what he's doing, but it's more of the creative, what happens in that relationship. uh, That's really interesting. And it's all done in Reaper, of course. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting.
2: So basically for each one of these mid-month streams that we do, they're usually on the second Saturday of each month. Mm -hmm. Um, What happens is people can show up and and join us live for it. And they're always like a deep dive into something. It changes every month. Um, What happens afterwards is those streams go through a light edit just to, you know, tighten up the pacing, take out any fluffs and and just kind of clean up the, the the inevitable live streamy sort of feel of it a little yes. bit yes and then they get segmented into uh specific topics like chapters if you like to make them easier to refer back to and i stick a folder of links and and stuff like that in with the download kind of like show notes i suppose yeah um mm-hmm. and they go up to a consistent place they go to the global voice info forward slash reaper and so the idea is that minimum of once each month we're adding a resource on a specific subject. So that's the one that happens mid-month. Jen, tell them about the one that happens at the end of each month.
3: The other one is actually more entertaining in a way because it's open Q&A where people, people can show up. And one of the things we decided on that is that it will not be recorded. So anyone can talk and not be shy because it's not, gonna be, it's not going to be recorded. So don't worry about it. Just ask your questions and we'll try to answer them, whatever it is. We try to focus more on just beginners, but it's become a little bit more of a hang sometimes. Just whatever. <laughs> yes. Whatever has to do with Reaper and whatever questions you have, just drop in and ask and we'll try to answer what we can yeah so
2: focus for that one whenever a, a newcomer joins us really is to try and avoid like deluging them with everything they're going to need to know for the next 10 years on the topic yeah. they're asking about we <laughs> well, really vo- try to keep it to like the next couple of steps they're going to need things that they can get straight off the call and jump into
3: Mm-hmm. Um, kind of avoiding the super techie nerdy stuff, although it's easy to fall down that rabbit hole. Uh, yeah. Well, happens. if you if you
1: get asked a question and uh-huh. you know you answer that question, but yeah. I, That's a really good idea though, isn't it? To keep it casual, you know, it's not being recorded. So people that may be nervous, I mean, you know, if I was to go along, I'd be nervous about this question I'm going to ask is going to be really stupid. I I really, it would put me off if I thought this is going to be put on a podcast or wherever. So I think that's, it's a really good idea. And I'm going to use the term safe place. Yeah, sorry.
2: Mm -hmm. A safe place for beginners. (laughs) That's the idea. That's the idea. Is that you can just show up and ask absolutely anything. Big, small... And it's
3: accessible or available in quite a few places. You can say where can they listen to it, Scott? YouTube Uh, Yeah.
2: So we, both of these sessions that we do each month, we stream, um, on Team Talk. If you want to come and actually join us and, and, you know, talk with us via voice and be part of what other people are hearing, then you can do that. Uh, we stream on YouTube, and we also stream out via IceCast, so you can just stick a you know a, a URL into your favorite player. Um everything is at reaperteacher.com. That's sort of the jumping off point where you'll find all the links to to be involved. There's a little countdown timer telling you what stream's coming next and when it's going to start. And there's calendar invite for the next stream and, and that kind of stuff. So reaperteacher.com is is sort of the jumping off point if you want to get involved.
1: Wow, you guys have really gone into this, haven't you? This isn't just, you know, let's record a podcast and put it out uh, every six months. This is uh, really organised. That
2: can't be you, Scott.
0: <laughs> well, it, I'm not saying So nothing. it um, kind of was
2: me... In oh, here the he sense is. that I <laughs> went and found some sponsorship to cover our time to do it and, and that kind of stuff. But man, I was very stop-starty. Like I couldn't settle into a regular pattern and I couldn't quite decide what I wanted to do. And I kept changing direction and blah, blah, blah. Um, And then Jen got involved and her... I guess her the nearest thing there is to an official job title would be we we call it she's the kicker in the header. Um and, and she sort of runs me behind the scenes or, or like manages me or whatever you want to call that.
1: The puppet master, I've got it. Yeah. Yeah, she pulls <laughs> the strings,
3: basically. Wow, I like that. Yeah. That's, that's There's good. a new Twitter
1: handle. Um, uh-huh. I I've gotta say, I, I took a look. So I just searched for Reaper Made Easy. I Googled that. Yep. And um, I've got to say, I listened to the first one. I think it was with you and Justin where you were just going through the terms. and Yeah, core cool
2: like, concepts, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and it was it was just the right length before I started to fill out in my depth, and it was really well done, I've got to say. I, I'm definitely going to go back there. Um, can you tell us about that? Is that part of this reaperteacher.com? Is this part of that? We Will we find the streams there as well, or is that separate?
2: So... Uh, So reaperteacher.com at the moment is just like a a landing page for the live sessions. It does link back to the globalvoice.info forward slash reaper, which is where everything ends up after Ah, we've sort of gone through, tightened up the pacing, cleaned up the live stream a little bit and done all the the segmentation into topics to make things easier to to refer to. Um, So they do sort of go hand in hand at some point. I'm going to need to probably consolidate that stuff down to a single URL, uh, but at the minute just keep keep both of those um, uh, addresses, like yeah. bookmark both of them.
1: Oh, I've already bookmarked them, trust me, I'm going to be a regular. Anyway, time for a short break, don't go away, stay right there, we will be back in just a minute with more from Scott and Jenny. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email feedback at doubletaponair.com or why not give us a call, one 803 We'll be right back.
2: Call the Double Tappers now, one 803
0: 4567 or email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Oh, yeah,
1: it's me, isn't it? Sorry, I forgot. Hello, welcome back to Double Tap from AMI Audio. I, I, this isn't my job, this is Stephen's job, I'm just a sidekick, everyone knows that. <laughs> welcome back. We're in conversation with Scott Chesworth and Jenny Brennan, who... Well, actually, help make Reaper, the audio editing program extraordinaire, accessible in many ways, actually, through their work and involvement in the OSARA component of Reaper, which makes it accessible to us screen reader users. hurrah! And also through the resources that they make available to anyone who wants to get started with Reaper, like myself, actually, Um, we're talking ReaperTeacher.com. Really cool name, by the way, and reapermadeeasy.com. Talking of which, let's take a quick listen to a clip from one of your tutorials, Scott.
2: The other thing that Reaper is, in addition to being a non-destructive editor, it's also a multi-track editor. We can have a listen to an example of that, actually. Here's a clip of a song I've been working on recently. Each of these elements are spread out across tracks. For example, here's just the kick drum. And here's the bass guitar. We got two guitar parts going on in this verse, two separate tracks as well. Here's the rhythm. Here's the lead. Similarly with vocals. We've got a lead vocal.
0: I'm trying to, find a reason to be there.
2: We've got a double, which is essentially the singer singing the same part.
0: I'm trying to, find a reason to be there.
2: I've just tucked the double underneath volume-wise, just to provide thickness and extra dynamic in the chorus. And we've got a horrible backing vocal by yours truly
0: Check in the stars out. the stars out.
2: They're all running through a folder processed as one instrument So here's the sum total of the vocals pre-processing
0: there's a chance you'll have your time again. I'm checking the stars out I'm checking the stars out
2: And here's what that sounds like after I've worked some magic on the folder.
0: There's a chance you will have his time again Yeah. I'm checking the stars out I'm checking the stars out I'm trying to find a reason to be there, to be there I'm trying to find compassion, find compassion out of love.
1: How cool is that? Now, you've kind of answered this already, I think there, Scott, but for clarification anyway for me, uh, how often do you update those websites with new content so I can go back and consume
2: some more uh, so it's two the streams are bi-weekly so the, the deep dives are generally like the middle of the month so usually like the second saturday of the month and then the open q a ones they're not recorded but that's always the last saturday of the month um, right so we try to get the edit of the deep dive ones done as quickly as we can uh, so you know ideally there's something new going up every month it doesn't always happen that way but that's kind of the idea
1: so how did you get into Reaper? You said 2008 there, Scott. What about you, Jenna? I mean, how did you, what were you using before Reaper and what sort of got you into it?
3: Well, there was Sonar, uh, of yep. course. And then um, I lost my sight. I started losing my sight and I was still using Sonar. But, and I was stubborn and I kept at it. Until I was producing an album with my band at the time and he needed me to really do the work. So I had to switch really quick from a Windows XP with Sonar to an iMac using Logic. And I had a year, uh, it was a nightmare. It was horrible, but I kept at it. So I used Logic for six years or so until... What, 2020, when I switched everything, I just got sick of it. I was so tired of Apple and their latest update at the time because it broke everything I've learned. I don't know what happened, but I just said, bad word, this. Steady, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so it was Reaper from then. and It it, it took me two days to totally decide this is it. This is what I'm doing.
1: Was that still and, on the Mac or did you move to Windows?
3: Uh, hmm. no, I put that on the Mac, yeah. Right, okay. And it worked really well. They say it's not as well as good as Reaper on Windows, but I, I liked it. Maybe because I didn't know better. It's possible. <laughs> so, People I always mean, say I, that. I, I didn't switch to Windows until what, this year? This past year?
1: Oh right. Have you totally and switched I, over or do you use the the two?
3: The Mac is here for testing, and cause of course I have uh, what Loopback, yeah. Audio Hijack, and that stuff. That's so good.
1: Rogue Amoeba, absolutely yeah, amazing, I, aren't I they? find it
3: hard to let go of the, them. So I use that, and there's some Osara testing on the Mac that needs to be done. Yada and yes, so I keep it around. It's a little bit outdated, with 8 gigs of RAM, so... You know, oh, that's right. steven has got
1: loads. He'll give you one. It's fine. Ah, got, yeah, sure. He's got I've thousands of them. He doesn't care. <laughs> so when you switched over from Mac to Windows using Reaper, did you notice, I mean, did it take you a while to settle into it? Was there a difference?
3: There was quite a lot of differences that irritated me because I thought some things really worked better on the Mac. Oh, you should have shouted at Scott. <laughs> this is the first time I'm hearing of it uh, I have kind of tried to say stuff like that but oh, was, it's, it's like yeah, you have a selective hearing listening. mode that you oh, get into I've started into a rhyme when... I can only apologise carry <laughs> on <Yeah. laughs> but I'm logging sp- off now <laughs> at, the, at the same time if I am allowed to speak uh, oof uh, plugins accessibility with certain plugins are just so much better on the Windows I mean, the, it's different. Yeah. Let let me be diplomatic and say it's different. And uh, some things are better on Windows, and some things are better on Mac. Sorry. That's Scott. what
1: it always comes down to. I think yeah, absolute
2: roundabouts, really. Like, there's probably in terms of the plugin accessibility, there's more kind of bolt-on screen scrapey type stuff specific to each screen reader on Windows. Mm-hmm. But then the flip side is that overall Mac VOCR is amazing yes, Uh, and there really isn't a windows equivalent of that. So true. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the Asara piece of the equation, we try to keep it as easy to jump back and forward between windows and Mac as, as we can. Um, and I don't know, (laughs) I don't really know how well we're doing with that. Um,
1: well, I'm sure people will let you know. Yeah, probably. Mm. And straight to Scott. He's in charge. He said it. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. That's kind of not how it works.
1: <laughs> well, joking aside, actually, for a minute, that's a really good point. We should dive into Asara a little bit more because some people will be a little bit confused by it, including myself. Uh, I mean, you know, how did it come to be this this group of people that got together and decided to make this? accessible i mean
2: what's the story behind it um so the the lead developer of asara is Jamie Tay who you might know his name from of course. Uh, being co lead developer of MVDA for many years um so i am responsible for getting jamie using reaper and getting him started with developing asara that was a, a little a little project of mine oh. um he was using sonar at the time and i knew he was unhappy i didn't know him super well um and i was really enjoying reaper by that point and so i just used to kind of appear in his inbox every now and again just kind of saying hey man have you checked this out yet it's really good <laughs> um and eventually i think it was just sort of the the frequency of me appearing and that combined with sonar really starting to get on his nerves uh and just like the the sort of the low ceiling on what was possible accessibility-wise there, um, that he started taking a look at the Reaper API. And then I went off, found some funding to secure a couple of hundred hours of development. Um, And and, uh, so initially, because he was at MV Access working on NVDA at the time, They were a bit like, sorry, what? You're going to do how many hundreds of hours of developing (laughs) Moonlighting? Ah, Jamie, we need to talk. And so Asara kind of went under the MB Access umbrella initially, which was awesome for us because it meant that he he couldn't sort of spend entire days on it, sure, but it meant that he could sort of pick away at Asara stuff during office hours, and that that was fine. Um so everybody was a little bit worried. I think when a couple of years back, he moved to Mozilla, uh, because it means that Asara isn't under the MV access umbrella anymore. We're, we're kind of a a completely independent open source project now. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't really slowed us down, man. I mean, Jamie, you know, this is still very much a passion of, of Jamie's making music and, and particularly enabling other people to do it. So, we still get a good amount of input from Jamie, and then also we've picked up a bunch of other contributors, like co contributors along the way um and there aren't a ton of them, but the people that contribute regularly are all very, very skilled uh, yeah and so between that and then me, sort of slowly, stubbornly learning c++ here and sort of filling some of the the easier gaps um we get it done that's
1: amazing that really is hang on though how were you using reaper before osara then was there any accessibility in there at all
2: yeah so there was another accessibility extension that came before osara called reaccess um and i was sort of involved in that not not for of course you were. development <laughs> Well, not from a development capacity, but I was sort of translating it into English, if you like, which is... Uh, so it was written in Russian. Um, I don't speak a word of Russian, and the developer at the time didn't speak a word of English. Oh. So we're going back to sort of auto-translation like 2008, 2009 type yes. of time <laughs> when it really wasn't as good as it is now. Um, to the extent where we had to have another Russian guy involved purely as a mediator, um, t- to settle some of the arguments, basically. <laughs> you had arguments. Like, I don't believe it, Scott. No to, way. No, to read the auto translations and, <laughs> and sort of decide who was being rational and who was being bitten by, by faulty translation software. Um, <laughs> and so that was the way it went for a few years. Uh and Reaccess was around until maybe 2011, 2012, something like that. Okay. Uh and then the developer vanished in a puff of smoke. Um we we know he's okay now. He's resurfaced with another Russian extension now. We know he's okay, but for for a, a good few years nobody heard from him. Why? Um and Reaccess <laughs> wasn't open source. So once he called it quits. That, was, that it. was it. And it worked for a while. Um but you fast forward to sort of 2014. Um and the reason I started bugging Jamie uh and and looking for for ways to get an open source thing s- started was that Reaper had evolved a good amount during that time when Reaccess was essentially sort of frozen. Um and it eventually got to a point where it's like, oh man, I'm doing workarounds so often. Yeah. It's really starting to impact my productivity now. Um, which is why you know, which is which is how Asara came along to fill that gap.
1: It sounds like a Netflix series, this, honestly. This could be a, a special. They're making a reaper. <laughs> Russian coders that disappear. You yeah. getting funding from somewhere, we don't know where, but we'll we'll skip that one. It's amazing. It's such a story. <laughs>
2: Well, I can tell you about the funding. So the initial <laughs> funding from for getting Asara development started came from the Elizabeth Eagle Bot Memorial Fund, which is um, a fund that's administrated by RNIB. Uh, Reaper Made Easy funding. Uh, initially, I went back to them and we they did make an offer. Um, we couldn't agree on some of the particulars, and so that didn't work out. And then that funding application went all around the world a couple of times by just sort of people passing it on to to various, you know, someone would say, oh, maybe I've got a lead. Give me the application and let me see what I can do. Yeah. Um, did a couple of circuits around the world and then ended up with uh, the person that runs the Global Voice Productions, TGV Productions, who ironically was about 20 minutes down the road from me. <laughs> and she ended up funding it. Like she ended up, we we negotiated a couple of bits and bobs. There are a few bits where she was like, do you actually need that? Or are you just seeing what you could get from the funding panel? And I was like, yes, oh, I need oh. that Tesla.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there were a couple of bits
2: that I pushed on and a couple of bits where I was like, yeah, fair enough. I was just trying my luck. You don't have to pay for that bit <laughs> if you don't want to. Um, But yeah, basically she's, uh, Chrissy Cochrane. may as well give her a shout out. She's just sort of, giving me most of the money that that i was applying for anyway and just kind of wants regular reports on the good that it's doing um yeah. so yeah there's there's the funding sources man there's nothing nothing particularly well, i wasn't implying about anything it. scott don't get defensive i was just saying it would be a great netflix series i'd watch it, well, it the, the <laughs> thing is when i say there's nothing particularly mysterious about it i guess what i'm driving at is like I'm not seeing that many other DAW communities doing similar stuff.
1: No. and well, They haven't got a Jen or a Scott. That's
2: the problem. But it, the okay. thing is, man, it's not difficult to do. I like, see, I you did, just where do you start
1: with? I was going to
2: say,
3: Scott,
1: yes, you don't… You are a very um, um, forthright ribbons. person, Scott. Should we say that? I mean, you get things done. let's not… I know Jen may be pushing you towards a certain direction, but you get things done. You're the muscle of yeah. the group. I'm going to say
2: that. I think it's just like, you just email people and ask, or or like whenever you have an idea, you find someone to talk to about it.
3: But the thing is, emailing people and asking is sometimes the hardest thing ever for certain people, people like me. Like, I can't even do what you do. That's the thing.
2: I don't get that nervousness for whatever reason. Like, I'm happy to just land in someone's inbox and be like, hello. Because, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? The worst that's going to happen is they're not going to reply. Yeah, I know. Okay, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Like it doesn't, you know what I mean?
1: Well, I'm going to say you're both doing an amazing job, and as you said yourself, it's not only you two. There's a lot of people involved, both in the development of uh, Osara, but you know, in these resources as well, you're making available and the Q and As. It's it's amazing, and it does make a difference, Reaper is important. There's lots of people in our community that's interested in audio production, music production, audio engineering, whatever it may be. And Reaper is a great tool for that. So thank you, first off. I mean, you know, as we heard in that clip there from the uh, initial tutorial, I took a listen to that and honestly, I did feel, okay, you know what? I, I think I'm going to give this a try. It just gave me that confidence because all the times previously I've l- took a look and... Uh, I've just felt sort of overwhelmed by it all. So thank you. Cool. Be- before we go, let's just, for someone like me, I use Audacity, right? I'm, I'm copying and pasting. I'm moving things in, uh, around by inserting silence or deleting silence before or behind clips to get them in the right position. And mostly I'm doing vocal work with the odd musical bed underneath. Oh, why would you say that, that Reaper is a better choice, for me i I know we've gone non-destructive and things like that but from a workflow point of view do you think it's 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 a better choice for most people is it better for if you've got a little bit of vision or no vision or it doesn't matter what is the the real selling point of reaper aside from the non-destructive part
2: the
3: community i think
2: yeah partly that but also don't underestimate the non-destructive part it is Mm, massive
3: yeah
2: um we should talk about the the sort of low vision or, or like some usable vision thing. Uh, everything is skinnable. Like literally every part of the interface can be adjusted with themes. Um, so I'm totally blind here and, and Jen is as good as totally blind, I think, over there, mm-hmm. aren't you? Yeah. Um, so I can't really speak on this with much authority. Uh, but I know there's one theme that has been made uh specifically for low-vis folks called for poor eyes only um Oh that's is, clever. I like that. Was I
1: mean,
3: yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that your idea Scott?
2: No, I wasn't involved <laughs> in this. Eventually found something I wasn't involved in. Um <laughs> you just got the funding. <laughs> but yeah, so I I can't speak with tons of authority on like the the sort of usable vision side of it other than to say like everything is skinnable, everything is feemable. Um and so I would imagine it's probably a good choice for, for folks with some usable vision. I know from the Asara perspective, we try to to make sure that we're not um, doing anything that would adversely impact that user experience. Yeah. Like there's been a few over the years, there's been a couple of, of times when someone that's either like got some usable vision themselves or, or is teaching uh, students that have... And they've come to us and said, hey, this looks weird. And we've, we've, you know, busted our guts to fix that. Um, And there's actually, uh, annoyingly, there's a piece of code sitting on my hard drive now for something really cool. And I can't merge it into OSIRA because I can't get the visual side of it to behave properly yet. Ah. Um, So we, we do try to make sure that folks with some usable vision aren't being left out in the cold. But, in terms of what's the advantages so there's 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 the non destructive part of it. There's the fact that if you do have some usual vision, you can probably get things to be more customizable than in audacity. I would wager a guess yeah, um the community support is huge, like all of the community channels are so welcoming and so encouraging. Uh, there's really no pressure for you to be ever present in those. You can just kind of dip in when you need something and and disappear oh, once well you've that, got it.
1: That's refreshing because some of these email lists I sign up to, it's I end up having to mute them. Even some WhatsApp. Oh
2: yeah, man, we will it, we will explode your notifications to, into bits. Constant. But you don't have to listen to everything. Like, yeah, that's the thing. As long as
1: I don't feel guilty about, you know, what I need to mute you for a day or two because I just can't. Cope yeah. With it.
2: So the way we do the community stuff is my my thinking on it is like dip in when you need us ask what you need um and and then you know if there's stuff on either side of your question that you know how to answer while you're there brilliant we really appreciate the help but you know if that's not how you want to be part of it then no you know that's not how you want to be part of it it's it's not obligation there's no obligation to to kind of get involved
1: Yes, you're not part of this community because you don't interact enough. It's, it's-
2: yeah, no, we stamp down pretty hard on that type That's of stuff. Um, it's, yeah, it, mm. you know, it, they're, they're definitely the nicest places to be online that I've found That's around half the audio bow. production and that kind of stuff. But the thing is, if Audacity is working for you, then it's working for you and you can't really argue with that. Like, as much as I'm a bit of a Reaper Zealot and and (laughs) I'd love to see everybody using it, okay, cool. But, you know, if you've got the tool that works for you and it does enough, then it does enough.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. The only problem Mm -hmm. I'm having with uh, Audacity, I mean, I love Audacity. It does everything I need it to do and I see it improving with every update. But the Mac support has drifted accessibility wise the dialog box don't seem to be accessible it's it's, and it's a real shame because they used to be very good and for a while there was a it screen- sounds like
2: what you need is a closer link with the, uh, uh, the developers companies. if only there was a DAW that had that <laughs>
1: Ah, oh, fantastic thank you so much you two you're doing a fantastic job again so uh anyone who's looking to get resources just shout out everywhere they can get hold of
2: you and get hold of your uh your stuff reaperteacher.com if you want to get involved in live streams or if you just want to check one out and uh the globalvoice.info forward slash reaper if you want to see existing resources that we've made
1: that's great and uh jenny before we go I know you're in a band. Do you want to give it a
3: shout out? Uh, well, it's a... We haven't released anything in, I don't know, two years now, I think. We have, a, okay. have an EP waiting on the, uh, in the door, uh, just waiting to be put together. So we are Icarus Machine, prog metal, Ooh. where I write lyrics and sing.
1: I could tell by your aggressive nature there, Jen, it had to be uh-huh. metal, of course. Yeah.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Fantastic, thank you.
1: You too, keep up the good work, and uh, yeah, I'm really impressed. Thank you,
3: thank
1: you,
2: sweet, thanks for having us, man.
1: And that's it for Double Tap today. Thank you so much, all of you, for bearing with me. And yes, don't worry, Stephen will be back tomorrow. The professional will be back in charge tomorrow. And do tune in because it's going to be a really interesting episode because we're talking to someone who's got some real concerns about bugs in Apple's accessibility. Also, how to improve your confidence and skill levels with mobility and getting around. It's going to be great. If you want to get in touch with us, and we love it when you do, you can email feedback at doubletaponair.com or give us a call, one 803 4567 Thank you, guys. See you
0: tomorrow. Bye-bye.